Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, November 16th. It's been a growing issue in the province, what's being called a broken legal aid system. We dig into what needs to be done to get the system back on track with Danielle Boivere, president of the Criminal Trial Lawyers Association. For over 66,000 Albertans living with COPD, every day feels like you're drowning. We learn about the signs and symptoms of the disease with Dr. Erica Penz, respirologist from the University Hospital in Saskatoon. Have you started your holiday shopping yet? And where are you planning on spending your money this holiday season? We hear details on how Canadians plan on tackling their gift lists this year with Jane Domenico, Senior VP of the REMS National Retail Group. And finally, it's Financial Literacy Month. We continue our weekly series on the topic with Bruce Celery, financial educator and CEO of Credit Canada. This time out, Bruce explains the importance of creating and sticking to a sustainable budget. The stats are there. Alberta's criminal lawyers, the lowest paid in Canada, and Albertans in need are falling through the cracks. Alberta's legal aid system is broken, and what needs to be done to cause a correction to this, to fix things? With insight, we're joined by Danielle Boivere, a president of Criminal Trial Lawyers Association and defense lawyer with Oikman Criminal Defense Law in Edmonton. Good morning to you, Danielle. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Why is it? How did we get to this point that Alberta's criminal lawyers are the lowest paid in Canada? Uh, years of underfunding, um, not accounting for inflation, governments that just don't see the importance of having uh, an even and stable, stably funded criminal justice system. How, you know, when it compares, obviously, the lowest in Canada, but is it by much? Is this, is this just a, a couple of dollars shy or is it noticeable and glaring? Um, it depends on which metrics you look at because different provinces do pay legal aid lawyers differently, uh, different structures. Um, but we're right down there amongst the lowest of the low. And when you think about the cost of living in our two largest cities, Edmonton and Calgary, it definitely does not keep up. How does this impact Albertans or those in need of, of legal aid? Well, the way it impacts Albertans is, in fact, the other part of it that you mentioned at the beginning, which is that Albertans are falling through the cracks because of something called the financial eligibility guidelines. And those are the qualification criteria for Albertans to get access to services. So regardless of how much or how little lawyers are paid, if the guidelines are too low, Albertans simply can't access our services. And those guidelines have been tied to things like AISH, which as you recently heard in the news, are just now starting to be accounted for inflation again. Um, but haven't been for several years. So again, stagnating numbers when the cost of living just keeps getting higher and higher and higher, leaving Albertans in the dust. So it is uh, just to be clear here, uh, is this a case that there are no resources available or is this just kind of a thing that we're seeing massive delays and that would be the impact? Um, the the court resources are there uh, to with some difficulties, obviously. Uh, the, the Crown resources are there. It's the defence resources. And now um, this is bleeding, this issue is now bleeding into the other areas of law, like family law, immigration, child welfare law, because the more delays we have, it, the, the more significant the impacts in those other areas are. Already did see some de- uh, delays when it comes to the pandemic over the past few years. Has that compounded the issue? 
Um, it certainly will if uh, this continues with uh, the underfunding of legal aid and the government ignoring our pleas because we were just starting to come out of the pandemic. We were just starting to catch up and get rid of all those cases that were either at or over what we call the Jordan deadline, the deadline for the right to a trial within a reasonable time. Um, family cases were finally starting to get back on track. Civil trials were st finally starting to get back on track in Superior Court. Um, and now this is threat being threatened again. So what exactly does the Alberta government need to do to, to ensure that our, uh, you know, the professionals in the industry are paid uh, justly? Um, to ensure stable funding, to ensure that the roster lawyers that work on contract for legal aid, that their rates are accounted for things like inflation, um, that the guidelines for Albertans to qualify are accounted for things like inflation, and also to compare us to other provinces and to make sure that there's a competitive rate here in Alberta to attract good quality lawyers to do the work. And I understand, you know, when you talk about delays, a lot of the times in, in other parts of the world, when you're delayed, it's an inconvenience and you still get where you want to go, get done what you want to get done, achieve those goals business-wise. But I understand there are some time limits, and this is one of the major issues when it comes to delays within the legal system. So if you can break those down for us. Yes, yeah, so in criminal trials, um, there are time limits in, in the lower level of court, provincial court, it's 18 months, and the higher level, it's 30 months. And if a person doesn't get their trial within that timeline, there's a pretty high risk that that matter is just going to get thrown out, um, that the complainant never gets their day in court, that the accused person is never even determined to be guilty or not guilty. The whole case is just tossed. Um, that costs significant amount of resources in terms of some people being stuck in custody and the cost to the taxpayer of having to house that person at the remand centre for months and months, and then that person is simply just released. Sounds like a domino effect with this issue. Uh, thank you so much for clarification. Thanks for your time, Danielle. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Danielle Boyver, uh, president of Criminal Trial Lawyers Association, the CTLA, and defense lawyer with Oikman Criminal Defense Law in Edmonton. It's described as feeling like you are drowning, and that's an experience for over 66,000 Albertans almost on a daily basis, uh, the Albertans living with COPD. Today is World COPD, uh, COPD Day, and joining us to discuss what can be done to address this devastating disease is Dr. Erica Penz, respirologist, Royal University Hospital in Saskatoon. Good morning to you, Dr. Penz. Good morning, Andrew. Uh, can you, uh, just as we start things off here, can you define COPD? What exactly is it? Yeah, so COPD, um, so chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a um, condition of the lungs and the airways um, that basically um, you can think about your, your airways and your air sacs as having um, a lot of inflammation in them, narrowing of the, the airways, um, even some destruction and destroying of, of your air sacs that are responsible for bringing in oxygen and blowing off carbon dioxide. And those structures in your lungs become damaged over time. And as a result, when we try to um, breathe and exert ourselves, many people with COPD experience very bad shortness of breath um, with activities. They can also experience cough and a lot of bringing up of mucus or sputum, um, even chest tightness and wheeze. So there's many symptoms that can be associated with this condition. You mentioned the symptoms, uh, Dr. Pence. So if I, if I have trouble breathing, 
Um, and I, I notice any change or any increase. Is it a case of going to my family physician to, 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 to start the process to get diagnosed? Absolutely. So um, we know that um, there's certain uh, risk factors and these symptoms. So as we age, for example, typically um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is, is diagnosed or recognized um, in individuals you know, over the age of 40, generally speaking. Um, and when we develop symptoms, you know, as we are in our adulthood, and if we've had exposures in our lifetime, that places at risk. Um, you know, the common one that people can think of would be um, smoking, but um, about a third of people with COPD don't have a smoking history. And we know that exposure to environmental um, toxins, for example, um, burning of fuels um, can damage the lungs, being born premature and having uh, infections early in childhood can also affect our, the development of our lungs and can place us at higher risk for this condition. So yes, if you have these risk factors and these symptoms, absolutely going to see your doctor and then that your doctor um, can order a test that can help us to diagnose this. That test is called spirometry. It's a lung test and it can help us to diagnose this condition. Uh, uh, Dr. Pans, although living with COPD isn't a seasonal thing, I, I'm reading that COPD patients often live in fear of fall and winter seasons. Tell, tell us why that is. Oh, you bet. So um, we know that um, people living with COPD um, tend to have generally some amount of their baseline symptoms, but many times they can have what we call exacerbations or flares of their COPD, and that's a worsening of their, their symptoms, worsening of their shortness of breath, their cough, their sputum. And there's many reasons why people can get these flares of their COPD, but the most common reason are infections. Um, and these infections often about 50% of them are viruses, and we know that the fall and winter um, season brings on influenza, RSV. Um, we still are living with COVID um, in our world, and all of these viruses can cause increased inflammation in the airway and more difficulty breathing. So um, that's often the, the experience of our COPD patients, and they really don't uh, want to get sick. Let's talk about the resources and treatments available here in Canada. How do we stack up uh, compared to other nations if you're having to live with COPD? Well, the, the good thing is, is that, I mean, we have um, an excellent uh, healthcare system with, with access to um, all of the best medications. We also have, uh, and many of these inhalers um, have been shown over many years now to be very effective, not, not only in reducing the symptoms that our patients have with COPD, but also reducing their risk of, of flares um, in the future. So um, making sure that people have access to these good medicines is really important. But even more important are other things um, that, that um, patients living with COPD should know. So exercise, um, access to pulmonary rehab, which, um, you know, is available uh, in sort of varying uh, capacities in many of our provinces are excellent programs to help improve the exercise um, abilities of our, our patients and their quality of, of life. All right. People getting more info. Uh, where's the best place to go, Dr. Pens? What, what's, what's a good website people can get more info? Well, you could check your, um, so lung, um, 
so, so in Saskatchewan, I'm, I'm living in Saskatoon, okay. um, Lung Health Foundation. Um, there's COPD Canada um, also has great resources. The Canadian Thoracic Society, um, COPD Live Well uh, is also an awesome resource uh, for patients with COPD. Perfect. And I, I think I can see it right here. It's uh, www.copdcanada.info for, for more information. Uh, thank you so much for your explanations and your time this morning, Dr. Pence. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. It's Dr. Erica Pens, respirologist from the Royal University Hospital in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And of course, we've got that uh, copdcanada.info for more information. How are you planning on tackling your holiday shopping this year? Joining us to discuss holiday shopping trends is Jane Domenico, Senior VP and National Lead Retail Services with REMS National Retail Group Colliers. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, this is your world, so let's just kick things off in big picture scope here. What trends are we seeing from holiday shoppers this season, Jane? Well, one of the biggest trends we're seeing is the return to the mall after covid um, we're seeing our traffic, which is our pedestrian visits and our shopper visits, higher and, than last year and comparable to 2019. And this is really exciting for um, the mall and the people who love to shop at the mall. Um, we also are seeing the apparel retailers really doing well, especially even with inflation-adjusted sales. This is huge because the apparel business is a big part of retail sales in Canada, and it's great to see the success of our apparel retailers coast to coast. But stop it right there, Jane, because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I love the idea of the return to the mall. It's good to see things clicking again. And then here comes that monster known as inflation. So how big of a concern is that? Is it allowing people to still shop with somewhat confidence? Yes, it's, you know, the problem that we have with inflation, it is the worst category for it is both food and gas, which are our daily essentials. So it does impact our consumer in the pocketbook. But really counter to that is a very high savings rate, which is way above our 2015 um, earmarked high. So the two are off balancing each other, but because food and gas are daily expenditures, the consumer confidence is lagging, in my opinion, as a result. Are we, as a pandemic, I, I know we're, we're trying our best to get back to normal in, in the mall shopping, that's a huge part of it. But has the pandemic kind of changed in, in, in I guess, real or permanent uh, terms, the way we shop, the way we approach a holiday like Christmas? I think it has. Um, E-commerce has been adopted by every demographic in Canada. But one of the biggest wins from both the retailer and the consumer is when you buy online and pick up in store. It, the easy way to call it is click and collect. 
This is great because you know you have the product in your hands, especially during the holiday shopping period. No one wants to purchase something and then it doesn't show up or it's not the right product that you thought you were choosing. This is great for the consumer and also great for the retailer because many, many studies have shown that for every dollar that's spent in uh, online and when, you, when someone comes into the store to pick it up, they spend about 30 cents more. Um, on products. So it's, it's a win-win for both. And I think at the end of the day, we have happy consumers, happy shoppers, and that's really why we are, do what we do every day. And just before I let you go, Jane, let's talk about maybe that nostalgia aspect this time of the season with you know, Christmas shopping markets and you know skating rinks and hot chocolate. That has to be something that's in the bag of retailers as far as one of the tools they can use that nostalgia aspect. Correct. And I think we're all looking to have that that connection after it's one of the trends after post COVID having those personal experiences and connections with others is a fantastic opportunity for both retailers, mall owners, and uh, just your average business um, working and dealing with the consumer. Interesting times that we appreciate your insight. Thanks for your time, Jane. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's Jane Domenico, a senior VP and national lead retail services with REMS National Retail Group. It's Financial Literacy Month. And uh, this time out, our focus, as we talk about this weekly, is how we can ensure spending habits uh, are sustainable for us as we move ahead. Joining us, expert insight on the ABCs of sustainable spending is our good friend Bruce Celery, CEO of Credit Canada. Good morning to you, Bruce. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Good, good. We've started things off, and I know that we're, we're, we're taking a, a bird's-eye view of Financial Literacy Month uh, with your guidance uh, but we were talking how it's the 16th of November. We're halfway through the month. Yeah. And I know when we talk about sustainability, I want to enter and begin the conversation with the holidays because I don't want to have a very Visa Christmas, Bruce, to be honest with you. <laughs> yes. And 39 days. Visa, a very Visa Christmas leads to a very bad January <laughs> yes. Visa hangover. And you know, it's not going to be on the Hallmark Channel, but it does have a catchy title, a very Visa Christmas. Uh, but with 39 days until the big day, is there enough time? Uh, so sure, there is enough time because you can change your behavior immediately. And I'm going to say that in terms of the holidays, what we need to do before things really amp up is reset expectations with ourselves and with the people that we love. So as we move into that period, we're like, oh, God, I need to bring a gift here. I need to send a gift there is do a check-in with your friends and family and say, how do we want to do Christmas this year or holidays this year? Because there is a difference between a tradition and a habit. So a tradition is something that is meaningful to you and it's grounded in your values. And we do this thing every year with our tree. It's called the fruits of the spirit. We have these ornaments that are labeled with uh, joy and patience and forgiveness and we hang them on the tree. It is a tradition. I will never give this up. But a lot of the things that we spend money on are habits. They're not traditions. They're habits like, ugh, I got to get gifts for the cousins. And uh, I always bring this to my friend's house. And maybe some of those habits could be removed so they cost you less money and less stress. Oh, 
that's what I love. Less stress. We're talking about, you know, off mic with the staff members here, how as you get older, that's what it's about. Not having stress, spending time with family. So I think if we get back to that, it saves us money as well. But when it comes to the sustainability, we're going to get into something called the ABCs in a second. But I want to ask you this, because what may have been sustainable a couple short years ago with inflation, Mm. cost of living may have changed for, for many of us, but we're still on that same mindset of the sustainability that we had maybe in 2019 financially. Yeah, it is a very different time. It is a very, very different time, given what we are paying in so many areas of our life at the grocery store, on our mortgage and all that. And so this is why I think it's important for us to think about sustainability. A budget is something that you hear a lot. You won't hear it from me because I am not a fan of budgeting. (gasps) What? 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 I know. (laughs) And the reason is you can't live on a budget for the rest of your life. You can't, it's just not gonna work. It's like, it's not even like, it is completely analogous to living on a food diet for the rest of your life. So do you know in Calgary, you have, I used to live in Calgary, as you know, one of the most extraordinary dietitians in the entire country. Her name is Andrea Hallwegner. Mm-hmm. She runs Health Stand Nutrition, she's amazing. She taught me how to eat sustainably. So she wasn't putting me on a diet. She showed me what a portion of food was. She calculated what my beer would uh, account for in my daily caloric intake such that I could uh, develop a way of eating sustainably over time. And so this really is the foundation of this model of sustainable spending is to look, take a really hard look at your cash flow what's coming in, what's going out, and make some changes such that you're living sustainably over time. And there is a method, and you're right. It has the ABCs. It's like Sesame Street all over again. I'm not sure which character you would be, Bruce, but I'll tell you what. (laughs) I think Uh, I'd be my own character. You'd be be the count, I think. I don't know. Uh, But nevertheless, yes, we've had Andrea Holwigner on the show many times. She is fantastic. Uh, That's her expertise. Yours is, of course, the finances. So the ABCs, I love a catchphrase like the ABCs. So, So how do we break it down? Analyze, brainstorm, change. So with the analyze, you're going to, Credit Canada has a spreadsheet. You can use our spreadsheet. You can use your own. You can pull a budgeting guide off the internet. Uh, What you're looking at is what's my take-home pay? What's other income that I might receive? Maybe it's a pension payment. Maybe it's spousal support. Maybe it's a gig economy side hustle. So you've got money coming in. You've got money going out. It is your mortgage, your groceries, your gas bill, gifts, and all that stuff. And that gives you a snapshot on uh, your monthly picture for items that only come in, you know, once a year, like, or a couple times a year, like a car repair or car maintenance. You would just average that. So you get a snapshot of what's going on every month. And what most people find when they look at it, it's like, first of all, whoa, I had no idea I was spending that much on that stuff. And secondly, this isn't sustainable. This doesn't work. No wonder I have an outstanding balance sitting on my credit card because I'm not living within my means. So that's the first thing is the analysis of, huh, oh, interesting. Wow, rep hockey's expensive. Wow, gymnastics is expensive. The second step is called brainstorm. And this is when you look at how you can alter what you see on that page. So how could you increase your income in some way? Is it a raise? Is it overtime? Is it a different job? 
and how can you reduce expenses? And, you know, interest costs a lot of, lot of money. So if you could eliminate your credit card debt, that would be something. And this is a level of creativity that I want people to apply. Like, what would it be like to not have that second car? What would it be like to get rid of your storage unit? Uh, and really some big ideas. And then the C, and this is the hardest part, is commit to change. And I want you to commit to two or three big things, not the latte, forget about the latte, drink as much latte as you want, but two to three big changes. For example, we're not taking a vacation twice a year, uh, or we're going to, you know, get rid of all of our streaming programs or whatever it is. None of these commitments to change are going to be delightful. You're not going to love any of them, but making a couple of big changes is what's going to have your spending be sustainable over time, especially in this new environment when everything costs more. And again, the importance when you're doing this ABCs, if you're in a family, whatever your family may look like, uh, you know, having that conversation with every member so everybody's on the yeah. same page. And have, people have very different views about what is important. Very, very different views, uh, especially when you roll in the kids, right? Uh, so I think it's critical to have that conversation. But what your what that conversation will prompt is, here are the trade-offs we are making on uh, X versus Y on a daily basis, but also the trade-offs we're making between today and tomorrow. So if you don't make some hard trade-offs today, where is the money for groceries in your fridge going to come from in 20 or 30 years? Mm, mm, yeah, looking long-term. That's incredible. I wish we had more time with you. You're going to have to leave it there. Uh, you're yeah. good next week? I am good. I'm going to be here. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be delightful. We'll be, and it'll have to do with finances. And yes, maybe, it will. Maybe diets with beer included, because you mentioned that. Yes. Now I'm thinking do you know that. a light beer is 50 calories less than a regular beer? Andrea taught me that. I was like, I yeah. could move to a light beer. Who cares? Yeah, there's some good ones out there. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk beer next weekend. Uh, next week, we'll do that. <laughs> Bottoms <laughs> up, Andrew. Have a good day. Thanks so much, you as well, Bruce Celery. That is Bruce Celery, CEO of Credit Canada. You can find out more on his personal website at moolala.ca or, of course, on his professional site at creditcanada.com slash FLM for Financial Literacy Month.